Hey there, folks. Steve Christensen's my name. I'm the executive director of the National Ice Cream Retailers Association, and welcome to the NICRA podcast, the official podcast of the National Ice Cream Retailers Association. And we are all about ice cream people helping ice cream people. Today, in episode number two, we are going local. The NICRA office is based in St. Louis, Missouri, as is our uh, next guest, Becky Jacobs from Serendipity Ice Cream. How are you? I'm well, Steve. How are you? I'm wonderfully well. We really appreciate you taking some time with us today to talk about you, your concept, and inspire us to rise up to a greater height. Great. I'm happy to help. That's good. So uh, just as a way of introduction, do you want to just give us a, a name, description, location, kind of the elevator pitch to what your business is all about? Sure. Uh, the name of my company is Serendipity Homemade Ice Cream. We started in 2003 as a homemade ice cream shop where we made all the ice cream in the shop and also sold to about 100 restaurants in the greater St. Louis area. Um, and we've been doing it about 16 years. That's awesome. So, uh, I, in fact, sitting in front of me in my office here is a number of uh, serendipity anniversary mugs that uh, did you have did you just do one every year or did you start doing them at the 10 year mark well we started doing them at the five year mark uh-huh. um, and we do them for ice cream for breakfast day which is of course coming up in a couple of weeks right that's so fabulous. we do them as as our um, enticement for our ice cream for breakfast celebration so so what uh, to, to switch gears and I know we're going to talk marketing in a little bit but what qualifies someone to get a mug? Um, on Ice Cream for Breakfast Day, for those who don't know, it's the first Saturday in February every year. Uh, it is uh, a day when we open at 8 o'clock in the morning. We serve breakfast-themed treats like ice cream waffle sundaes, donut ice cream sandwiches, stuff like that. And if you come in your pajamas, we give you a free mug with coffee, tea, or hot chocolate. <laughs> That's very cool. Well, I feel privileged because I did not show up in my pajamas, and yet I still got a mug. Well, we make some special arrangements <laughs> occasionally for people we like. <laughs> That's good. So do you want to give us an overview as to what type of ice cream you sell, how many flavors, uh, anything else that sure. you sell in the store? Sure. I'm going to talk, Steve, about my shop currently instead of what we used to be Sweet. to answer your questions. Okay. okay. Uh, We currently sell Chocolate Shop Ice Cream Company's ice cream at Serendipity. We are no longer making our own ice cream. Mm -hmm. Um, We have 16 flavors in our case at any given time. And in addition to ice cream, we also have an ice cream sandwich concept. So we make from scratch cookies here in the shop. And then we we also, in addition to all the ice cream treats that we've traditionally always sold, you can come in and you can pick your cookies or a brownie. And we'll make a sandwich for you and heat it up and serve it to you warm. Wow. That's but we also cool. do shakes and malts, and we also have uh, we also have a full liquor license. So we also do spirited shakes. And all of our spirited shakes um, are based on real, actual cocktails out in the cocktail world. So the liquor license process, and this is a question that a lot of NICRA members ask. So is there a certain – what was your experience? Was there a certain point where you thought – I've got a certain amount of percentage of alcohol that's going into the products or a certain amount of my products that have alcohol in them. What was the kind of tipping point to you needing a liquor license, at least in the state of Missouri? Okay, so I didn't do a lot of research on alcohol in ice cream because 
I am a traditionalist when it comes to making ice cream. Right. And I believe that putting alcohol in ice cream affects your end product. Right. And I, I didn't like how it was turning out. So, I, so there were very few flavors. I did make some. But we used the magic of ice cream flavoring to get our boozy ice cream flavors to taste the way we wanted them to taste. Right, right. So the liquor license wasn't about the booze in the ice cream. The liquor license is about wanting to offer something unique in our market that wasn't really being offered. Okay. Uh, a lot of places were doing boozy shakes, but they were just taking vodka and throwing it in their ice cream and blending it. Right. And what we do are full-on cocktails. And to answer your question, in the state of Missouri, if you want to serve booze, you got to have a liquor license. Right. I mean, it's that simple. I didn't really need one for what I was doing for the ice cream, in other words. And are these boozy cocktails, can I show up at your opening time at 11 o'clock and slam down a couple of pina coladas? Or do you offer them the whole time you're open? So my license is that I can sell them anytime I can legally sell alcohol. Um, that changes a little bit on Sundays here in Missouri. We're a little um, parochial that way. But um, yes and no. We market them as an after five option. Uh, okay. And the reason for that is so that I can ensure that there is someone here of age that can make them. Right. But if I'm here or one of my other staff are here that are over the age of 21 during the day, I don't have a problem making you a shake. We just don't market it that way. Right, right. Because it's 5 p.m. somewhere in the world, right? Yeah, and on a Saturday afternoon, if the weather's really crappy, why not sit down and have a shake with some drown, booze? Drown your sorrows in a shake. Well, you know, we there's a saying in the in the hospitality industry that you can't drink all day if you don't start early. So, you know. <laughs> That's right. Uh, coming from a non-drinker, I'm I'm agreeing. I don't know whether it's true or not, but I trust you. So, okay. Becky, going back, uh, and that's a great overview of your business, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, some of the aspects of it coming ahead. But what uh, did you grow up in Missouri, yay or nay? And if, if so, what was your first ice cream memory? Born and raised here in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. um, I've always, so as you may or may not know, listeners, St. Louis is the home of the motherland of frozen custard of Ted Drew's. And as a child, we would go down there as a family outing, always very fun. But I've always been a hard scoop ice cream girl. Mm. Um, it wasn't until somewhat recently with some newer um, entries into the local market that I've become a, more of a fan of custard. But I'm really a hard scoop ice cream girl. So when we would go down to Ted Drew's as a family, even though I would get something, I would have preferred to have gone to the Baskin-Robbins that was next door. That's was, was there a Baskin-Robbins next door to Ted Drew's? Yeah, there's. Um, I think there's an Edward Jones office or something there now, but that was a Baskin-Robbins. Wow. Sure that's was. That's crazy. Yeah. So, my, so that's one. And then the other one is, is there was another regional chain here in the St. Louis area in the state of Missouri, and it was called Velvet Freeze. Yep. And I actually preferred Velvet Freeze to Baskin-Robbins. And my dad was a big ice cream guy, and so we would go get ice cream pretty frequently. So so that was the thing. Or, you know, after-school events, like you have a concert when you're in grade school, and then afterwards yeah. you'd go to – we had a Howard Johnson's in our neighborhood. So we'd go there and get one of their 28 fabulous flavors. <laughs> That's and, pretty um, cool. Hey, yeah, Velvet so Freeze, so was Velvet Freeze premium ice cream, hard scoop? Uh, it was hard scoop. Um, if I had to – guess now it probably was probably 14 percent right probably isn't anymore but it was then probably do they was. still make it is there still a velvet freeze uh there is as far as i know there is still one here in st louis run by one very old gentleman uh in uh one of our northern suburbs hmm. um 
one of our famous northern suburbs. <laughs> and uh, and um, I think he's still open, but I don't know for sure. Okay. Uh, you'd mentioned you've been in the business 16 years. How did you come to get this uh, idea of opening up your own ice cream shop? Well, about 17 years ago, I was feeling kind of restless. Um, I was working with my husband. Um, I teased him and told him I was an indentured slave. But, <laughs> but you know, with family business, you don't take home a paycheck. So I needed right. something to do on my own. And I was looking around for what was missing in our in our community here at that time, 17 years ago, really we had Ted Drew's and other places that wanted to be like Ted Drew's, but all of our hard scoop options had pretty much gone away. And right. I thought that was a concept and an idea that I could execute relatively on my own. Unlike running a full service restaurant where it takes a lot of parts to get that off the ground and moving. Right. Ice cream is a singular concept. So, it was pretty um, manageable to do on my own. Right. I- I'm trying to avoid using the word easy because nothing's easy. Right. But it was manageable to do on my own. Now, interestingly, it... when you say that there wasn't a lot of ice cream back then at least, um, St. Louis, for those who aren't acutely aware of St. Louis and the layout of St. Louis, so St. Louis City in and of itself is quite small, but... There are almost 80 municipalities that surround St. Louis. Most of us say when we live in one of these municipalities, well, we live in St. Louis because no one really knows where Webster Groves or Chesterfield or Wildwood or wherever it is. Um, but were you seeing a an opportunity in the market of Webster Groves where your store was or St. Louis generally? St. Louis generally um, I didn't find a location until I was already well underway of planning what I wanted to do. Right. So in the process of doing my business plan and planning everything out, I was also looking for um, actually this exact kind of location that I'm in, which is uh, kind of a um, old-time walking old, small town. So right. surprisingly, for those of you who have never been here, um, almost Almost every municipality of those 80s has their own, like, town center area. Yeah, like a downtown street. Like a downtown or like a central business district. Almost everyone does. Webster actually has two. Um, But but where I am, the speed limit is 25 miles an hour. Um, There's streets that lie in the street. There's no parking. I mean, there's, there's parking on the street, you know, like street, like curbside. But there's no parking lots. Like, you don't drive past my shop and first see a parking lot. Parking's yeah. actually behind the building. So it looks like a small town. Um, very walkable. Um, but more, most importantly, it was that this is a county road. It's the main thoroughfare, but the speed limit is only 25. Right. So you, gotta, you can see me when you go by. Yep. So the, the upside of that is you're very visible. Um, most people know when they're going downtown. The, the downside is, or the challenge sometimes is, that p- parking's an issue, unless you know there's parking around the back. Well, parking, which is, which yeah. is which, which is, you know, the same challenges for everyone that's in some form of downtown or Main Street area. Right. Well, my parking issue was actually never really a problem until <laughs> my landlord actually bought the building at the end of the, at the, end of the block and turned this um, gr- local grocery store into a 200-plus seat restaurant. All right. And, then, and that's fascinating because that's really um, – so you didn't get a change in landlord. It was a change of use. 
no, it's both. In, in the building. It's both. I got a new landlord, oh, okay. bought my building, bought several of the other buildings on the street, and turned one of the buildings into this very large, very popular local restaurant that um, is huge. And so pretty much after 4 o'clock, you cannot park in the parking lot behind my shop, and it, it is hurting. It's hurting us. Right. We'll know more in so the spring. But... Is the upside of that, though, that you get a little bit more visibility or more you know, um, business as a result of that? I don't know. I've asked my staff if they think it's making a difference. They think that maybe of all the people that come in on any given, I'm just going to use weeknights because, you know, who knows on the weekends. But on right. weeknights in the spring and summer, um, I've asked them anecdotally, they said maybe four, five, six people come in that came from the restaurant. But the bigger challenge is those people who didn't go there for dinner want to go out for an ice cream cone. And, you know, you all know, we all know, ice cream's an impulse purchase. So if they can't park conveniently, they're not coming in. They're going to drive down the block about, you know, quarter of a mile to a half a mile away. There's a drive-through Dairy Queen. Right. Yeah. And up until recently, it was not really an issue in my business, but I think it is now. Yeah, I get it. Um, so maybe this is a good point to kind of talk about. You know, we're describing how you got into the business um, and the changes that you've indicated from when you from you opened to to what you're doing now. And it, it comes down to, and again, this is a question that a lot of ice cream people ask themselves, particularly those that are getting into the business, do I make or do I buy? And uh, you've kind of got the perspective of both because you started off making, um, built your business to the point where it is you know, today, um, and now are buying. So I'm interested in your perspective as to you know, the pros and cons versus uh, when you started making it versus now that you're buying it and, and what you see is positives and negatives, if, if any. Okay, so the positives, positives and negatives of buying versus making? Was that your question? Yeah. Okay. Or just, just you know, your impressions, some of, the, some of the things that were great about when you were making ice cream, some of the, the challenges that you had, and then now how that business model's changed a little bit to where you're buying and reselling. Well, the best part about making my own ice cream is that we made our own ice cream. And right. that in and of itself is a unique situation that nobody else can duplicate. Even all the mm -hmm. other make their own ice cream parlors in town. Everybody's is different. Just like yeah. there's a million different breweries in St. Louis, microbreweries, there's a million different micro creameries as well. Um, so that was cool. And my client, my customers, my and I also wholesale from the time I opened, I was selling ice cream wholesale. So that meant I sold to uh, hotels, I sold to theaters, I sold to country clubs, anybody that wanted a, a unique, cool product, um, I was pretty much selling to them. Um, and it was fun, and I like it, and, I, and because of it, I know every restaurant owner and every chef, and, and it's very fun, and I have a very large network of friends and colleagues and people like that. So that's cool. Um, eventually, as that part of my business grew, I needed to hire someone to make the ice cream for me. First, it started out as a part-time role, and then it eventually grew into a full-time role. And in the summertime, I would it wouldn't be it wouldn't be far-fetched to say that our ice cream maker was working, you know, ten to fourteen hours a day some days. Not every day, but you know, maybe out of in, wow. in, the, in the height of the summer. Probably out of a five-day work week, they were working two to three days, that, those kind of hours. Um, so that's, a, yeah. that's an expensive person. Um, but the other problem with that was quality control is they, 
over time, I was finding that my ice cream makers, and I had several over the years, just weren't making the ice cream the way I wanted to make it, the way I wanted it made. So, you know, shortcuts are taken and um, uh, because they don't want to work 14 hours in a day. They want to make it as fast as they can. And that that was starting to show up in the quality of the product. Um, when I when my last ice cream maker yeah. departed right before I switched from making to buying and I started making the ice cream again myself, many people, specifically my family members who've been here since the beginning, said, oh, my gosh, there is such a huge difference between when you make it and when your staff makes it. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. fascinating. And so, um, I mean, my husband loves my cherry ice cream. But he's been telling me for four years, it's just not as good as when you made it. It's not as good as when you made it. And when I made it again, he goes, yep, that's it. It's weird. Yeah, that's an interesting – it's interesting because, I mean, we're talking about making ice cream. But the principle is the same. It, it, when you take a step back from really a lot of different aspects of your business, you might say customer service or making ice cream or whatever, no one really does it like you. No one has the motivation or the passion. Or, right, right, true. You know, the, the investment that you have. So even though you can, in your case, say, well, I'm going to have someone to take that responsibility off my hands, you still don't really surrender it. I mean, you've still got to be involved. You might not be the person loading the batch freezer, but, you know, as you said, if you're not still relatively heavily involved in that process, things go awry right. a little bit. That's true. It's true statement. Um, so, 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 the changeover then, and you've only just made this changeover relatively September, recently, right? right? Mm-hmm. September of twenty eighteen. Okay. Um, so, what what have been the great things that come as a result? Out of changing. Of that? Well, my payroll yeah. has been cut in half. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's that's, that's good. the biggest change. Is um, I don't have the overhead that I had before. Right. Um, but I'm less stressed out. I'm less worried because the product that I'm buying, and I think I may have already said that I'm using the Chocolate Shop Ice Cream Company. Not that I want to keep plugging mm-hmm. their business, but I do want to keep plugging their business because right. they're great people. Right. Um, but I use their product, and I've been to their plant many, many times, and I know that they are um, SQF qualified. I know that the product is safe. They're doing all the things the right way so that I – feel confident and comfortable that I am serving a safe, wholesome product to my customers. And that's really the biggest particularly thing. With, right, particularly with the changes in Food Safety Modernization Act and some of the other you know, state, maybe even county regulations, mm-hmm. um, that onus comes back away from you now and goes on to that right. supplier. So um, you know, you've got to have confidence in the people who you have making your product, which you obviously do. Um, but I've heard the same thing from many people that it's really taken a weight off their shoulders knowing that either compliance or the fact that they can come unstuck with someone who makes a complaint or whatever, um, that responsibility doesn't happen. Um, Tell me then, what was the response from your customers and your wholesale customers? Um, Well, to be perfectly frank, my wholesale business has uh, taken a pretty big hit. Uh, I anticipated some. I wasn't quite prepared for how much has gone away. Um, yep. But that's okay. It's really quite okay because my infrastructure in my shop, in my business, is such that all of the people that were dedicated to providing that product are no longer here. So I don't right. have the expense, right? And I don't yeah. have the expense yeah. of, a fr- walk-in full of 
uh, dairy mix, and I don't have the expense of all of the different ingredients that go into making fabulous ice cream. And right, so it's all it's right. all relative. I mean, you, you the the money that you're saving in the process of not having those employees or the infrastructure right. and and so forth is getting you, you lost a little revenue. But I also but lost a lot of expenses in the grand scheme of things. Right, right, right exactly. exactly. So that's been a a thing. Um, to be perfect, again, to be perfectly frank, um, I, I do get even the customers that I still have, uh, which is, trust me, it's still a, a considerable um, corral of people, but, but they, right. I hear frequently that they don't like the ice cream as much as they liked mine, which is quite flattering, but right. from a technical, professional perspective, they're not correct. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, but you can explain right. to them till you're blue in the face why right. they're technically right. not correct. But right. you know, but, customers, you know, customers are customers. When I started making ice cream, and anybody who's taken scoop school will appreciate, or or any other scoop, you know, ice cream production class, the the flavor of your ice cream, let's just say vanilla, is going to change drastically depending upon which vanilla you choose. Vanilla is not just vanilla, right? Yeah. We all know this. So. When I did a taste testing when I was in culinary school with real vanilla versus artificial vanilla, three to one with chef people, like these are people with trained palates, including my instructors, they picked the artificial vanilla three to one over the all-natural vanilla because most people are familiar mm. with that taste, and that's what they've come to think is real. So my point is is that they may like my salty caramel that I used to make better than the salted caramel that I'm selling now, but all I can say is it just tastes different. Yeah. It's not better or worse. It's just not the flavor you're used right. to. Right, and, and most people who have, after 16 years, have, have grown accustomed to the way you used to do things, and right. it's just different. It's different. It's not better or worse. It's, it's just different. Um, right, and I, I think it's better. So I think this ice cream is better. Yeah. Uh, fabulous. So, um, yeah, that, that's, I, again, just going over, it's great information because I think that, you know, there used to be a time where you would struggle to find someone that could make a really good quality gourmet specialty ice cream that you could buy and resell. And I think the market's kind of expanding to the point where even in our NICRA community, there are many ice cream companies now. Uh, that you can you can buy ice cream from, resell it. Whether you use their branding or whether you keep your own branding, um, I'm doing a little of both. Okay. Yeah, we do a little of both here. There is something else I would add on that front. Is um, completely gone out of my head, so I can't remember what I was. Well, we'll say, come sorry. back to it if we have time. I'm sure I'll think of it. I'm sure I'll think <laughs> of it. Fine. Go ahead. Um, so, do you have anyone in the ice cream business that's kind of helped you out, being a mentor, anyone in the organization that you kind of have an affinity with that really has kind of, you know, taught you some valuable lessons about the business? Uh, besides you. Oh, yes. well, sweet. Um, yeah, no, sweet, but honest. <laughs> <laughs> there are several people that are still my, like, go-to people when I need advice or, or, or a pep talk or a swift kick in the tush. <laughs> um, First and foremost would probably be Bill Ma Bill Ma uh, Mayor from, yeah. um, the heck's the name of his place? Uh, Lakeside Creamery. Lakeside Creamery, thank you. Great fellow. From Lake, yeah, great guy. He was the first per one of the first people I met. I went to my first Nyker convention in San Diego in 2002. Wow. Uh huh. 
and I wasn't even an owner yet. I was just I just started my process of getting all of this stuff going. And he I met him there. I also met the great late Dick Warren at that time. Yeah. And I signed up for their class at the University of Wisconsin. And I also took they had two actually. They had that class at University of Wisconsin, which was Bill's gig. Yeah. But together they did a separate one, which at that time was at Penn State. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it moved down to Florida, and I don't think it exists anymore. Um, But I went to those two classes. So between the two of them, they were my ice cream mentors for certain, for certain, for certain. And Bill is still around. You know, when I was making this transition and I was very stressed out, um, I went to Bill, and he and I had a very nice, long, frank conversation at NICRA this past year in Colorado and really helped me get my mojo back and get excited about my business again and, and make me feel like this whole thing was going to actually be quite okay because yeah. um, I, I really wasn't sure <laughs> so, well and that's what it looks like that you know it's going to be fine and that's the beauty of this organization i think is that you've you know you've got these people that just have so much knowledge um yep. that that can lend you an ear uh, whether it happens on mm-hmm. the facebook page or at convention um and, and you know, bill you know dick warren rest in peace an ice cream legend um, but it's great to be able to kind of draw upon Bill's knowledge, um, you know, at conventions and, and so forth. So, uh, yeah, great guys. Yeah. And then the other one that I still rely on on a regular, regular basis, and he's he's not a member, I don't think. Anyway, he he's um, a guy by the name of Bill Kunderman who is uh, my sales rep, and he's been my sales rep since I started this business and, and he's with a company that I don't use a ton of, right. but he's local and he's been in the industry forever. <laughs> so when I first started, he helped me make my initial list of ingredients and toppings and things that I needed to make sure I bought. And he was just so helpful. And even to this day, like I am using more of his products these days now that I'm not making ice cream, yep. but um, he was always willing to help me out even though I wasn't really his customer. I got most of my stuff from a different vendor, but he was always there for me. So I would say those are my two peeps, and, or my three And peeps. interestingly, that's a great example of a vendor who becomes a mentor. Um, and, and, you know, we have so many supplier members that are anxiously engaged in helping their customers become successful, not from a monetary standpoint, although that happens as businesses grow, but just from a, an emotional and friendship investment process. I know Bill relatively well i haven't spoken to him for years but bill is one of the nicest guys in the ice cream industry he needs to be a member of nicra we need to work on that i am working on it okay just so you know know, and there's a couple of others that are members that i really highly highly respect that have helped a lot jurgen clue from joy fabulous yeah uh the people at weber flavors are always able to send me a sample if i wanted a sample of something they've been fabulous Mm. over the years great great to hear yeah so tell me um do you have any uh, business books, podcasts, references, anything that kind of helps you recently or, or previously kind of given you some inspiration? Um, I'm actually going back to old school stuff, right? I'm trying to go back and look at – there was, a, spe- there was a, a keynote speaker many years ago that did a, a thing called Shameless Self-Promotion. Mm-hmm. And I thought she was pretty awesome, and I took a lot of what she had to say to heart. But then I kind of got away from it, right? Silly little things like wear logo to 
wear your logo everywhere you go. Wear like I, I have a ton, we all have a ton of ice cream jewelry or whatever. I try to wear it as much as I possibly can. Anything that will make somebody ask me about my business. Right. You know, anything that will say, Oh, well, those are cute earrings. If you don't know what I do, you might like them and then I'll say, Oh yeah, well I make ice cream for, or I sell ice cream for a living. Yeah. Um, if they do know what I do, then it reminds them of what I do and they should call me and order ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. You know? Um, I need to look that so up. We'll put it in. We'll put thing. it in the link uh, of yeah. the uh, of the show notes. Um, um, there's lots of stuff that I look up online that has to do with digital marketing and things like that. But frankly, um, I do rely heavily on other people who are better at that than me to know what they're doing. Right. And I kind of defer to them. And they just I, and you like you've done a lot of stuff for me as far as what I should be doing. I haven't actually done it yet, but the YouTube stuff and all the stuff that you talk about. Yeah. Um, so, you mentioned before in wrapping up uh, breakfast, ice cream for breakfast day, and I know you're pretty heavily involved in the process of, you know, promoting your business. What do you feel as though one of your greatest marketing achievements was? That one, ice cream for breakfast day. Hmm. Um, I've been doing it, like I said, this will be our, our 11th year of doing it. Uh, I was the first person in town to do it. I think that in the organization, I was probably one of the first people to make it a big deal. Yes. We all knew about it, yep. but I think I was the first one to say, hey, look at this cool thing that we do, and a lot more people are doing it. I don't know if anybody does it to the extent that we do, where I make my staff wear pajamas and my customers wear pajamas, <laughs> and I don't think anybody gives them, gives them away, gives away mugs, but I do, and everybody remembers, and they all come, and we, we quite frankly have a 45-minute wait for the first three hours that we're Gee. open. And that's and they're willing to stand there no matter the weather. So we'll see because the weather in St. Louis lately has not been forgiving. Right, I'm looking out at still about eight inches of snow out my window. So oh, I know see. people and be more wearing their way. people be wearing their winter woolies uh, while they're lining well, up for ice cream. So and we've we've had all the weather. We've had snow. We had a snowstorm that nobody knew was coming, and I got up to go to work at a normal time. You know, six in the morning mm. that particular day, and I had three inches of snow I had to shovel before I could leave. Right. Right. So, so we've had that, and we've had 70-degree weather. It just really is like that here in St. Louis. You just never know. And what a, what a great way to launch the season, I mean, to kind of get your business in the forefront of people's minds as the as the weather starts warming up. It's great well, idea. we do a couple of things, actually. So every year we close for the first two weeks of January because here in St. Louis, typically, the weather is pretty cruddy the first couple of weeks of the month. Yeah. This year it waited until I reopened to be cruddy, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> so... So we, we usually close the first two weeks, and then the last half of the month, we do what we call our BOGO sale. So we do a buy one, get one free sale for the rest of the month of January, just to remind people that diets are stupid, and they should come back and eat ice cream. <laughs> right. And that they can afford it, because we're giving you two for the price of one. Because you know people have bills and weight that they're worried about at the beginning of the month. Right. So we address both of those issues with our buy one, get one free sale. And then it, then we end that, right, the, like the Friday before ice cream for breakfast day is when it ends. And then we have ice cream for breakfast day. So we do all of this great big stuff in January and the beginning of February to remind people to come eat ice cream in the winter. Then it's kind of quiet up until about St. Patrick's Day. So your tagline could be ruining New Year resolutions for 11 well, years. For 11 years. Right. <laughs> that's, that's us. <laughs> so, Becky, if you were kind of looking back on all of the, the, the things that you've done, you know, so far as the development and growth of your business... If you could start all over again, would you do anything differently? Well, I kind of feel like I am starting all over again, quite frankly. Hmm. Um, 
by changing my business focus and changing how we do things here, like, you know, going from just really an ice cream shop to being an ice cream cookie company, and by stopping to make ice cream and starting to sell someone else's ice cream, I kind of feel like I've reinvented my business, and I am sort of starting over, yeah. with the benefit of having a great reputation already. Um, so, yeah, I am doing things differently. I am watching my labor better, um, trying to keep better control on, on costs that can be controlled, uh, waste, things like that. Yeah. Um, and I'm still, like, if, because our wholesale sales are, are down significantly, I'm looking at other revenue streams. So we're really focusing on building our catering business and promoting our food truck. Cool. Food yeah. truck. We haven't even mentioned the food truck. Tell us, uh, give me a 45-second 40, uh, spiel about the food truck. I have a 1946 Ford fire truck called the Fire and Ice Cream Truck. You can find us on Facebook and on Instagram. And it is very cool. Um, and we sell novelties that we make here in the shop on it. So we sell our, our drumsticks, which we call dipsticks. We sell cups of ice cream. We sell ice cream sandwiches. Um, and we sell Italian ice off of the truck. And it's all pre-made. Our truck's not um, food grade like a lot of trucks are. Right. So everything we make here in the shop. And then we sell novel package novelties on the truck. But we don't sell, like, you know, um, ice cream man in the neighborhood type novelties. We sell stuff we make here. Right. Um, interestingly, I used to go to the fire and ice cream truck um, years ago when it was uh, lined up at the New Year's Eve event. In, oh, down uh, in Grand Center. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, used to yeah. Line used up to, there. The, the people that used to own the truck, the people that I bought the truck from, used to sell our ice cream off the truck, and then they changed what they were doing. But they actually were very involved in the planning of that event. Hmm. They were yeah. the designers. Well, that would have been an easy transition then. Good for you. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, so, last question. What advice would you give to someone that's looking at getting into or someone new in the business? The first thing I would tell someone who's looking to get into this business or who is new to this business is to get to either your course or Bill's course to learn the ins and outs of this business. Um, it will save you hours and hours and hours of headaches and lots and lots of money. That That's... That's the best advice I can give someone. There's a lot of people within the Nike organization that um, you know offer courses. Malcolm Stogo is another uh, course. I think it's icecreamuniversity.org. Ah, uh, yeah. I've never taken his right. course, so I don't but, know. Uh, I but don't there, there is it. a lot of great courses and a lot of great consulting available to members uh, in the in the organization. Yeah, that, that's the first thing I would do. I would definitely take a course. Um, I would also, the other piece of advice I would give to anyone who's going to go into this is, Make sure you are well capitalized because here's the thing that I see all the time. People think they're going to open in April and they're going to have a whole big long season, but if they're having to do a build out, they never open when they're supposed to open. And so like, I didn't open until the beginning of July and I was trying to open in May. And um, so that was two months off the season and it's hard. So you need to have enough capital to get through two winters. That's my best. Ex- mm, that's my advice. best advice. You need to have enough reserves for two winters. Awesome. Or, or you can do what Bill does and just say, "Well, I just won't be open in the winter." Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Done. <laughs> Next. <laughs> that's, a... that's another. <laughs> I wish I could do that, but I'm not right, in an area where right. that's possible. Well, I can't Becky, be hey, we really appreciate your time. I know uh, we we had scheduled this call a little bit earlier, and then uh, it sounded like there was pandemonium in the store because you 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 had a buy one get one shake day to day right 
Yeah, so during our buy one, get one free sale, every day is a different thing. So yesterday was our dipsticks, today's shakes, and they take a lot of time, as everyone knows. And everybody comes in and they want like 500 shakes. I have to get upstairs right now and help make a 24-shake <laughs> order. Well, so. we'll let you go. Hey, where can people find out more about your business? Oh, we're on Facebook, Serendipity Homemade Ice Cream. Um, we have a website, serendipity-icecream.com. You can always find me, Becky Miller Jacobs, on Facebook. Feel free to reach out. I'm happy to talk uh, to you. And that is true. We've often uh, had visitors here to St. Louis, and we've uh, taken them to Becky's place, and she's always willing to share some advice. So, Becky, again, very much appreciate your time. If you want to be on the NICRA podcast, drop us a line here, steve at org, And for more information on the podcast, previous episodes, and all of the NICRA information you need, you can go to NICRA.org. That's N-I-C-R-A.org or icecreamusa.org. Thanks again, Becky. Thanks, Steve. Have a great day. See you.